You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Well, I hope you're having a great start to your new year. We're looking forward to just seeing what God's going to do in 2020. Excited about all that's happening. And I know some other people are as well, so that's always great. We just started a new series entitled Arrows. And what we're looking at is the target for this year. Because maybe you're similar to the experiences I have. Every January, I kind of come in and and I kind of want to set some resolutions, you know, some New Year's resolutions, some goals, have some uh, targets to hit. But then come December, I get frustrated. I kind of get upset because I'm nowhere near close to hitting any of my goals. Now, some of my goals are to start doing some things, and some of my goals are to stop doing some things. And I don't know if you can resonate with that. We all have things we start wanting to do, and then we have some things we want to stop doing. And so at the end of each year, I would get a little bit discouraged because I'm thinking, you know what, I, I let a whole year go by. 2019, I let it go by. And what did I accomplish? What, what did I do with my life? You know, our most valuable commodity is the time that we have. And so how am I stewarding my time? Uh, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, he talked about how you use your days and your dollars. Those are the most important things that we in our lives need to learn how to use. Our days and the dollars that we have. How are we stewarding those? And so we looked at a book that just wrecked me in a good way in December. It was called Atomic Habits by author James Clear. Because he took this idea, this frustration that I had that I wasn't accomplishing my goals. And then he broke it down into the why. And so last week, we kicked off last week, we said, it's not your target that's the problem. It's our trajectory. Because we can have the right target, but if you have the wrong trajectory, you'll still miss the target. You say, what is trajectory, okay? So we used an illustration. Now, uh, I'm not allowed to bring an actual crossbow and a uh, target. So I did the next cheapest, safest, best thing. 
I got my dartboard, okay? So I know it's not quite as cool as the video, but it kind of gives us an idea of a target. So we, we get the idea of a target. We, we see the bullseye in the middle, so we totally understand it. And, uh, but the problem is we're all setting goals that are, that are kind of bullseye-type goals, right? Things that are like in the center. We're like, that's what I'm going for in my marriage. That's what I'm going for in my finances. That's what I'm going for for my health. That's what I'm going for spiritually. Hey, that's where I'm going for in my career. We have that bullseye, and we all have it. And we kind of get our eyes on the prize. We get our journal, and we get all that cool stuff ready. We buy our new water bottle. We get all the new shoes, new gear. And, man, it's still brand new in the box from 2018, two years ago. I mean, you've had that stuff for a long time. It's still good. And uh, so, so what happens is you get frustrated because you're saying, what's the problem? I'm setting the target. I know what my target needs to be. And so the problem is not the target. See, you, you know what the target is. But the problem is, if my target's there but I'm aiming over here, it doesn't matter that I had the right target because my trajectory was off. So what I need to happen is I need to bring my life alignment and my aim into one. I need to synchronize the two. So I need to be aiming at my targets. Now, that sounds easy, but I told you last week I had a problem. I wanted to get up earlier, and I wanted to stop eating as much junk food. That was two simple ones. But then I figured out why my target was fine, but my trajectory was off. Why? Because I love Netflix. And Netflix was combating both of my, I'm wanting to get up earlier and I'm wanting to eat less junk food. Because when I turn on Netflix, I need to have a bag of potato chips, some popcorn, some ice creams, preferably Brent and Jerry's, uh, just, just whatever junk food's in the house. And then I just get it and I kind of hoard it, you know. And it's so funny because uh, over New Year's, we went to go see uh, my family in Simi Valley and saw my dad. And my wife was watching my dad on a Sunday evening. And she's like, that's what you do right there. You see what your dad did? He went into the kitchen. He got all the food he wanted, went over to a comfy couch, sat down. He turned on the TV. That's what you do. I said, we work hard. We got to play hard. All right? Don't judge. Okay? And I was like, of course. That's where I got it. And now I'm trying to break it. So my simple fix was get the TV out of my room. That was a simple fix. So guess what? I get up earlier, and I don't eat as much junk food. Not because I said, I will not eat junk food. I will not eat junk food. I will not eat junk food. No. For me, there was a connection between watching TV and needing to do this, even though I'm not even hungry. Not even hungry. And it would be one thing if I'm eating like celery sticks and carrot sticks. That's not what I'm eating when I'm watching TV. I know some of you might have more discipline than I do, but that's not what I usually eat, okay? I like it deep fried and uh, something greasy and salty, okay? And then I like a little sweet with it, sweet and salty, you know, the kind of combination. It just kind of like feels good all of a sudden, okay? And so I said, well, how can I stop doing that? And so what I needed to do was not just have the right target. I needed to fix my trajectory, and so last week, we looked at the, the, the supposed author of Hebrews, which we believe to be the Apostle Paul. And he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He's saying, hey, look, if we're going to hit the target, we've got to have our eyes on the right target. And he said his target for his life was Jesus Christ. And that's where his focus was. And that's for you and I where we need to start. Amen.
We need to start with Jesus Christ. He's the target, and everything else works out from that. It works if you're single. It works if you're married. It works if you're a parent, if you're employed, you're a high school student. It works to keep Jesus at the center of it all. Why? Matthew 6, 33. But seek first, first, the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. So Jesus said, and last week we asked ourselves the question, so what should be my target? And we said, let's go to Scripture. Let's go to God's word on where our target should be. Where should my targeting be for my parenting? Where should my target be for my marriage? Where should my target be for my business? And we said, start with Jesus there. Because he'll inform everything else. He'll correct everything else. He'll fix everything else. Because the Holy Spirit is constantly in work in you. That's Philippians. That he which hath begun a good work in you, he will complete it. He started this work. He started that marriage. He started that relationship. He started that family. He started that business. So if we keep him the target, guess what's going to happen? We'll hit it every time. Because now we're fixing our trajectory. And so we said we're going to run. Well, last week, I really hope that you got a what? A vision of the future. A dream. I can't give you that dream. I can't give you that vision. I can guide you into what your target should be. But outside of Jesus, ultimately, you're the one who's going to decide what the target is. And so last week was really talking about what is your target. So my prayer is that this week you were praying about what should your target be for 2020. My prayer is that last week you were having some, some dreams. God, just saying, what do you want my marriage to be at this year? Hey, God, I've got these children. Where do you want these children to be? Hey, God, I, I, I'm single right now, so what should I do? There's a couple of mission trips. Should I be a part of those? What should I do with my time? Should I be mentoring? Should I be working harder, saving more? Uh, maybe your business, you set some targets. And so I'm really praying that last night a fire was ignited in you. That last week you just said, you know what? I do have a dream. I do have a calling. I do have a vision. Now I can head towards it because I understand the where I'm trying to go. The what. The the what. This week, I want to talk about the how. I want to talk about the how to get there. Because oftentimes, that's where I struggle. It's not what I want to accomplish, but how to accomplish it. That's where I struggle. I struggle with, I know I want to have great kids, But sometimes it's easier just to give them an iPad and a Snickers bar and throw them on the couch and not deal with it. All right? Judge me if you want. All right? But when mama ain't home, guess what? That's about what happens, okay? There ain't no celery sticks and everything. And look at this. We're eating vegetables, you know, and making it all fun and, and writing little faces on it. No, you're a better parent than I am. I'm like, here's junk food, you know. I just throw candy at the masses, okay. So it's like, I don't know what to do. They're chasing me down. Just throw candy at them. And uh, uh, I've got uh, desires like, hey, uh, I know where I want my marriage to be. I want my marriage to be fulfilling. I want it to be exciting. I want there to be that romance, I want my marriage to have what we had when we first were dating. And I know a lot of us are like, oh, long gone. Those days are long gone. How long have you been together? This February will be 11 years that we've been married. And so that's exciting. Thank you. I'm excited about it too. Uh, I called somebody the other day, and they were like, are you married? I was like, yeah, I'm married. And they were like, oh, how many years have you been married? I said 11. They were like, that's rare. And I was like, 
No, that's not rare. 11 years, not even a lot. Apparently now it is. And so I'm like, man, God bless this woman, okay, because she's put up with all of this for the last 11 years, okay? So it's a testament to her, not to me. But there's some things that I want in the relationship, okay? So there's the, I know what the target is. I just don't always know how. Hey, there's some things I want in my ministry. I know where I want to be. I just don't always know how. Hey, there's some things I want to be spiritually. Hey, I'm doing this Daniel fast. That's 21 days. It's kind of hard. I'm getting tired of lentils. I'm getting tired of vegetables. I'm getting tired of not enjoying food. I'm like, you know what? I just won't eat. So I just don't eat. I'm just like, ah, I'll just do a total fast, you know. I'll just drink water and just suffer and be miserable, you know. And uh, so especially because our uh, worship pastor, he got me on this uh, Christmas gift. He got me like every two weeks I get a new flavor of coffee. And I was like, yeah, it's awesome, right? Except for I can't drink coffee, all right? So it comes in smelling all fresh. And I was like, Satan, get behind me, you know, the worship pastor, the demons in him and everything. And, you know, it's all these things where it's like, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm trying. I know where I want to be spiritually. I just don't always know how to get there. So today, my prayer is that we would discover some of the how, is that we would get there. So if you have a copy of God's word, would you turn to 1 Corinthians. Let's look at another teaching by the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Because this morning, I believe what we're going to study is so vital. And here's the big idea. And if you grabbed a copy of notes, and we're taking notes, and if you want to take them and fill them out, that's great. Or if you want to use the YouVersion Bible app, the notes are on there too. Uh, my wife worked this hard on the week real hard this week to get us all on there. So all of our stuff will be on you version. I thought that was pretty cool. Thank you, honey, for doing all that. And uh, so the big idea is this. We don't fail or fall to the level of our desires, but to the level of our habits. We don't fall to the level of our desires. We fall to the level of our habits. Meaning when you and I get in trouble and we say, I want to be here with my spending, we fall to the level of our desires because we walk through the mall Maybe that's an old thing. Uh, Excuse me. Let me modernize it. We go on Amazon, and all of a sudden, our wish list is there. And we're like, one click, buy it now. Easy. I don't even have to see my credit card. I don't have to see anything. It it just, boom. I just hit the one click, and I'm, man, I'm buying stuff. I I feel no guilt. My bank account doesn't know for a good two, three days, you know. So it's like, I'm good for two, three days. Man, those Amazon packages coming. And uh, Brian said it earlier that my favorite app is that, hey, it's just 10 steps away or just 10 streets down is your Amazon package. And so all of a sudden, what's happening? We didn't, we sent a good habit, a good desire. But guess what? If I don't have good spending habits, I'm going to follow the level of my desires. My desires say, oh, I want that. I need that. I should have that. And that looks cool. And I got to start Christmas planning. You know, it's only 350 something days left before Christmas. So I better get a jump on that. You know, so let me buy all that stuff. And, 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 and what happened? We didn't, we, we had a, we said we wanted to hit this with our spending, but all of a sudden what? We fell to the level of our desires, not our habits. And so I love the fact that the Apostle Paul is going to address something that is difficult. And I don't like to talk about too much because it has to do with habits. Notice if you would, he's going to jump into some sports analogy. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you have a copy of God's Word. If not, it'll be on the screen. If you'd like a copy of God's Word, we have a free Bible for you. Stop by our Connect tent and we'll give it to you. It says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. 
They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. You see, uh, the people that Paul is writing to are in the city of Corinth, which is kind of on the isthmus of Greece right there. So they're, they're very familiar with what would happen with the early Olympic Games, okay? And there was what was called the Isthmus Games, and these were very popular, and this, this city would have known and followed these, these games. They're really into sports, okay? Any Niners fans you are excited about their victory yesterday? Okay, three, four of you, okay? The rest of us are just hating on those four. Uh, you may want to slip out when I pray, okay? We don't want you to get hurt because you saw what the Raiders fans did to their own coliseum so you never know what they'll do to you okay so just just be careful uh so uh you know so they were familiar with games now the apostle paul is trying to motivate the corinthian church so he's saying guys hold on when it comes to your life he's saying you're going to need some self-control you're going to need to discipline your body to accomplish some things he's saying hey these athletes that you love watching and you admire Guess what? They didn't just one day say, hey, today would be a great day to run a marathon and do it. Good luck with that if that's your plan, okay? There was such a lady who did do that, by the way. And uh, she was known, and some of you will remember the 1980 Boston Marathon. And you'll especially remember Rosie Ruiz. Anybody remember Rosie Ruiz? Yeah, a few of you did. Uh, You say, who is Rosie Ruiz? Because she was a woman that won the 1980s Boston Marathon with a runtime of two hours and 32 minutes. Incredible time. It's the fastest time for the race history. Only problem was she started the race not at the starting line, but with only one mile left in the race. That was her only problem. She, everybody watched her cross, and they were like, wait a minute. We never saw her. Is she that fast? She's the flash. You know what? We just never saw her run by all of a sudden because she broke out. But they didn't find this out till a couple weeks later. Here, this woman just comes out of nowhere running the last mile of the race. And that's all she ran in the entire race. She was crowned. And then Marianne Spitzer, who was the first woman to ever run the Boston Marathon, is interviewing after the race. And she's saying, You don't look that sweaty. She says, I just must train really well. She's just making up stuff. She said, well, how did you train? Did you do a lot of intervals? And she looked at Marianne Spitzer and said, I don't even know what intervals are. She said, well, there's no way you could have done this race because intervals are how you get faster, how you get your speed up. And the fact that she didn't realize this, why? Because she cheated. She thought, guess what? I want the reward without the routine. And that's a lot of people, isn't it? We want to hit the target, but we don't want to put in the time that it takes. You see, we want to accomplish big things, but we won't develop big habits. You see, we want a lot in the bank account, but we love Amazon Prime. You know, one's got to, when you love Amazon Prime, you hate your bank account. I'm just telling you that, okay? All right? You're picking one. But if you say, I love my bank account, you don't really like Amazon Prime. 
All right. Matter of fact, it's one you should block. You know, just block it for everybody in your family, okay? Block it for your kids, because my kids, they just they can get stuff on their tablets too. It's all connected, all right? So understand this. You say, hey, I want to get here financially. I want to get here relationally. I want to get here. That means you gotta you gotta discipline yourself like an athlete. Paul is saying, guess what? To accomplish what you want to accomplish, there's got to be discipline. There's got to be self-control. You want the rewards, but it only comes because you develop the routines. Now, Paul is even talking about something deeper here. He's saying, hey, guys, I understand that you want to accomplish big things, but he's talking about spiritual too. Did you notice how he ended? He said, guess what? I want to run in such a way that I inherit a spiritual crown. I want to run in such a way that pleases God. He's saying, hey, this is not just about my finances, not just about my relationships. It's ultimately about something bigger that I'm running to please him. We're going to talk about this in a relationship series called Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks in three weeks. But one of the best ways that God shows love to my spouse is through me. And a lot of times in my marriage, I forget that. That I'm God's answer to showing Jane real physical, present love of God? How does she truly experience the love of God if I'm not loving her as Christ has called me to love her? That's a tough responsibility. And so yet today we say, I want a great relationship, but I also want to be right all the time and I don't mind arguing about everything and fighting over everything. You can't have one or the other. You can't have one or the other. You've got to say, hey, I'm going I'm to discipline myself. So I wrote down this first word. If you write it down, routine. Write down the word routine. Because in verse 25, he says, Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. He's saying, hey, there is no reward without the routine. How are you going to develop the habits that you need? Here's how a routine works. The first time you do something, that's a start. The second time you do something, you begin to make a difference. But then, As you repeat that thing, then you will make a difference in the world. You see, a routine, that's how it starts. The first time you do something, that's just a start. The second time, now things begin to change. But the third time, you can now change the world. Whatever that world may be. It could be your financial world. It could be your uh, personal order of, of just being on time, of just working hard. It could be whatever you want it to be. That's the power of a routine. And I think sometimes we underestimate what can happen over time. You see, John 15 is the passage where Jesus talks about staying connected in the vine. And he's saying, hey, as you stay connected and as you are disciplined there, guess what? That's where you can have fruit that remains in your Christian life. That's where you can see the fruit. A lot of times we don't understand the agricultural times. Saying why? It takes a season for a fruit or a crop to develop. But you and I want our bank account to be full this weekend. And you and I, we want to lose the weight right now. You and I, we want to get that person right now. We want to get that job right now. We want the ministry to grow right now. Instead of understanding, no, no, everything has a cycle. Everything takes time. And it's a joy to watch things grow. It's a joy to watch your children grow. Yes, there are moments you you wish that they would hurry up and finish this stage. But guess what? Find the joy in watching something grow. So here the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, develop the routine. You and I, we've been kind of brainwashed into this instant everything. Uh, Samuel Goldwyn, the founder of Metro Golden Mayor, the, the big studio producer, he said, Give me that, I'll read, I'll mess it up, it's just too good. He says, 
He said this, give me a couple years and I will make that actress an overnight success. I love that because it's true. Give me a couple years and I'll make her an overnight success because that's the thing that you and I have bought into. Anybody that tells you, hey, lose weight quick, save money quick, make money quick, guess what? They don't care about you. They don't care about your weight. They don't care about your finances. They only care about getting your money from you. That's all they really care about because nothing in life comes quick. Nothing. It takes time. You see somebody who has children that you admire? Go talk to them and say, man, you're great with kids. How did you do that? Uh, I've been working at it for 18 years. Just 18 years, all it takes. Hey, you got an awesome marriage. How did that happen? I just stayed married for 18 years. Just stayed married. Just kept on going. Just kept on, didn't stop. Hey, you got a great job. You're working hard in that company. Yeah, I just didn't quit when the boss did something or said something or offended me. You know, I worked through it. There's some things that we can do. Why? Because we're developing the routine. We're developing the habits. And too often, we don't like to develop the habits. And here's the power of habits. A habit starts off small, but it can have a huge impact. It can have a huge impact. Now, it's easy to get into some things, and it's hard to get out of others. It's easy to get in debt. It's hard to get out of debt. It's easy to get into relationship. It's hard to get out of a relationship. There are some things easy to get into and hard to get out of. Habits will help you not hurt you. And yet sometimes we're known in the Christian community as not having healthy habits. Can I talk about some of them? Habit of prayer, habit of Bible reading, habit of doing good in the community. I mean, we're supposed to be known by these, but yet we don't actually have these habits. We talk about them more than we actually practice them. We are great at talking and we're poor at doing. So here at Southridge, though, we've reversed that. We've really worked hard to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We've worked very hard to say, you know what, we will be different. We're not saying we're better, but we're saying, hey, we'll start with a habit. Uh, the British cycling team was a joke a couple of years ago. Just a joke. They were so bad, they were so awful, that bicycle companies would not sell the British Olympic bicycle team bikes because they said we don't want our bikes associated with losers so we're not going to sell you any bikes so they had little huffy ones with the little streamers on the side and little training wheels and they had a race and i'm just kidding but they couldn't get bikes they were that bad of a team so the coach then stopped back and said what am i going to do with this team so the coach got the team and he said the mountain we have to climb is so big he said i'm not going to worry about how big the mountain is He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on the things I actually can change. So he said, how can I fix our team? So he said, let's improve by 1%. 1%. He said, okay, so let's learn how to wash our hands. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you guys ride bikes, not in the medical profession. What what does washing hands have to do with riding a bike? Well, he figured if they learned how to wash their hands better, they would kill more germs. So guess what? They would get sick less. And if they're sick less, they can train more. See what I mean? Sometimes you and I think our habits are so hard to build, but they're actually not. Sometimes the habit of washing hands would keep you from getting sick less. And guess what? If you're sick less, you're not buying as much medicine. You're not missing as much work. Guess what? Your whole life just got better. Why? Because you learned how to wash your hands. You see, sometimes we look at habits and we think, oh, man, they're so hard. No, no, no. Start with the small one. I took Netflix out of my room, and guess what? I already created two new habits without even trying. Getting up earlier? Why? Because I go to bed and nothing else to do. Talk to my wife. No, I'm going to go to bed. Oh, she's here. I'm sorry. That was bad. 
That's why we need a marriage series, okay? All right? Or marriage counseling. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things where, guess what? When it comes to our habits, we think it's a big thing. So he started there. Then he said, guess what? How much do our helmets weigh? He said, how much are your bicycle helmets? He said, let's get the lightest helmets we can get. So he got lighter helmets. He said, okay, how much do our bikes weigh? Let's get lighter bikes. He's saying, I can't control the speed of my racers, but let me, let me control what I can. See, you may not be able to control your finances, but guess what? Today, if you have $20 in your pocket, it might not be the best thing to take that $20 and go to McDonald's. It might be the best thing to say, hey, what is the best thing I could do with this $20? It's only 1%. You say, what did that 1% do? Then now the British Olympic bicycling team has dominated the last three Olympics. They've won it all, taken it by storm. Four out of the last five Tour de France have been won by British cycling team. People now are traveling the world to go to meet with that coach because that is the best cycling team in the world right now. Because he said, I'm going to focus on 1% incremental changes. What if you and I did that? What if you and I just said, hey, the Apostle Paul said, hey, an athlete, what does he do? He has self-control. He's got discipline. What if you and I looked at our routines and said, hey, how is my eating routine? How is my scripture routine? How is all of these routines? How am I doing on these routines? And what if we, we, we look and reevaluate them? Because the process you resist is what will most likely create the results you long for. The process you resist will most likely create the results you long for. The thing you resist the most is probably the thing that will give you the greatest results. And so yet you and I, we've got to start with some routines. We've got to say, hey, you know what? I know I should read my Bible. I know I should pray. I know I should be in Christian community. I love the fact that you make Sunday morning a priority to start your week right. I love that. I love that you put that habit. But here's the thing. You cannot improve upon a habit you do not have. So build the habit. You say, how do I build the habit? Here's how you build it. And I love this out of the book. This has helped me so much. He said, start a habit, but do it for two minutes. So what you need to do is read your Bible for two minutes tomorrow and stop. I think everybody here, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, will you read your Bible for two minutes tomorrow? Every hand would go up. Everyone would. Why? Because we can all do that. We can all do that for two minutes. He would even tell people, go to the gym for two minutes. Why? He said, you're creating the habit of starting something. A lot of times we say, man, this year I'm going to go to the gym, and then I see those people at the gym, and they hurt themselves. Why? Because they're like, 300 pounds, I could do that, and then they crush themselves. You know, or, or, or they're like, I'm going to run five miles a day, and then they start running, and they get five feet, and all of a sudden they're like, cramp, cramp, medic, man down. You know what I mean? Why? Because they set the goal so far, and what happens? They lose all will to keep going. They, they get so disillusioned, so franchised, and they say, I can't do that. So start with the goal that says, I can do this. I can put on my gym clothes. I can go, and it feels good to only go to the gym for two minutes. And say, that's all I'm going to do. And then after about 21 days, you got the habit of going to the gym. Then say, you know what, I'll stay five minutes, ten minutes. You'll have spent more time at the gym if you just stick to your two minutes than you would if you go five days in a row and then quit for the rest of the year. But then you've built that habit. The same thing with God's word. You say, I want to read God's word. Guess what? Tomorrow, read just for two minutes. Go this whole week and do two minutes a day. Guess what? Seven times two, that's 14 minutes, probably more than you read last week. And I didn't mean that to be passive aggressive. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you want to do something more of it, don't set like, I need to spend an hour with God. That's tough if you're just starting. And because you're going to open up to the book of Leviticus and you're like, I got to read this for an hour? Are you kidding me? 
You're like, I know where the target is now. Jab my eye out is what I want to do. <laughs> Talking about plagues and disease and, and the priest having to touch a fungus on somebody's, what? I don't want to read that. And so then you say, well, let me go to the New Testament this morning. I went to Matthew chapter number one, and it's the genealogies. I was like, oh, heaven help me. You know what I mean? It gets tough. You got to discipline yourself. So start with two minutes. Because then you get to your two minutes, you're like, man, that was a great two minutes. I feel good. And then create a little chart where you get to mark it off. I love a little chart. Matter of fact, my wife laughed at me because I bought a journal. All it is is I put a check mark on it. I spent $25 on a journal from Amazon Prime. I had my allowance money, don't judge. And I could check it off every day. She said, you know the dollar store sells this. Shh, woman. I can hear her condensation right now through her eyes of judgment. And I could check it off on my little journal. And I like that journal. Man, it helps me. It probably doesn't, but it's just the placebo effect, that checking it off. Why? Because we need something that's fulfilling. I'm, I'm, I'm bogged down. Let's, let's keep moving. Here's the thing. If you're going to stay with a routine, though, you're going to need a reason to stay with a routine, won't you? So write down the second word. If you, you need the first word, routine, the second word is reason. A lot of times we stop doing a good routine because why? We don't have a good enough reason. We don't have a good enough reason. And if you're reading this scripture, you're looking at it, same with me, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm not an athlete. The reason's not very compelling. And I, and, I, and I get that. Because the Apostle Paul says, hey, run so that you can win. Maybe you're like me. You're not ap- that competitive. Niners win, that's great. Niners lose, that's fine. I'm fine with it. Some of you are not. It's going to wreck your week. But for me, I'm fine. I'm not very competitive in that. Other things I am. And so here, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, what's your reason? And he's saying for some of those athletes, they will run, and all they'll get is a wreath. But then the Apostle Paul, we miss something. You see, the Apostle Paul, he's almost ruining my reason to run if he's talking about a crown because maybe that doesn't motivate you. A crown? You're like, if I could have a crown now, like if I read my Bible and all of a sudden I heard like this sound from heaven hit my roof and out was a gold crown, I would read the Bible like nobody's business. I'd pay off some bills. I'd buy a Bentley, you know. I mean, I'd build a mansion. I mean, I would be, it'd be raining crowns, all right? But I could... But, but crowds in heaven, mm, I need a better reason, pastor. And I'm just being honest because that's the way I feel. I'm like, that's great that they're up there, but I could sure use them now to pay off Visa. I could sure use them now to pay off the mortgage. I could sure use them now to pay the lights or the medical bill or whatever. So maybe that's not a good enough reason. So the Apostle Paul is actually saying that's not my reason either. Because we didn't have enough time, but if you back up to verse 19, he says this. He says, for though I am free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all so that I might win more. You see, before he went into a sports analogy, he told you why does he run? Why is he disciplined? He gives us his reason. He's saying, I've become all things to all men so that by Christ I might win some. He's saying, to the Greek, I became a Greek. To the Jew, I became a Jew. He's saying, to those who are under the law, I lived under the law. To those who were without the law, I lived without the law. Why? Because I wanted to reach them with the gospel. So he said, I will do whatever it takes. What he's saying is, they're my reason to race. That's the reason I run. He's saying, why am I doing this, church? He's saying, it's not because I want the crown or I need a better marriage or I need more in the bank account. He's saying, my reason is bigger than that. My reason's got to be bigger than that. And your reason has to be bigger than that. Otherwise, you're going to start your routine and you're going to quit. You're going to say, you know what? I like my body just fine. That gym's going to mess up what I've worked too hard to get 
work together, all right? No, I'm not done with that, you know? And, and Wells Fargo, they're bad bank and, and, and whatever, you know, you can, you can justify anything. But the Apostle Paul is saying, guess what? I've got a reason to run. My reason to run is all about redemption. It's about lost people. It's about reaching those who don't know Jesus Christ. You see, every time we come back to our routines, remind yourself of your reason. What is your reason why you're doing this? If your marriage is not in a good place, guess what? That's your reason to work hard at your marriage. If your parenting is not in a good place, there's your reason. If spiritually you're in a dead and dry place where guess what? God seems like he might as well be just dead and distant to you, then guess what? That's where you need to start. You've got to have a reason for the routine. Otherwise, you'll stop the routine. You'll stop going to church like some have stopped going to church. You'll stop reading your Bible. You'll stop praying. You'll stop seeking God. Why? Because you don't have a reason. I'm telling you this morning, you've got to have a reason that's like a fire that's shut up in your bones that that's what gets you up in the morning it's what keeps you going it's the reason why you go up so early and you're saying hey i'm motivated why because that's my reason when it gets hard when it gets cold when nobody else is motivating you say that's my reason to run when i first started ministry in 2007 i got hired at the first church you say, hey, uh, why did you work at that church? Because it was the only one who'd offered me a job, all right? So made the decision pretty easy. I went where they offered me a paycheck. And so I was excited to be in ministry, and I got a phone call, my first ministry phone call. I was so excited. Yes, this is Pastor Micaiah. You know, I had a really high squeaky voice sometimes, you know. And I was like, you know, trying to drop it a couple octaves and everything. I mean, it was bad. I looked super young. You can look at pictures. I was all acne face and everything. It was bad. It was real bad. I looked like 14, 15. I only look about 18 now, okay? So it's going to be great when I'm like 70. You laugh now, but when I'm 70, I'll be able to do this, okay? All right, you may not, but I will. I'm, I'm pumped, okay? So I got that first phone call, and man, I was so excited. Even though this guy on the line was super depressed, his wife had just left him, took their daughter, and moved to the Central Valley. So he said, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about ending my life. So I was talking to him, and I was like, this is it. This is what all that money paying for Bible college, all, that, all those long nights and everything, this is it. This is, this is my reason. And, man, I was so excited. And I was like, hey, I'm going to come meet you. And I showed up at this guy. Uh, he was at downtown off of Bird Avenue back in some neighborhood, not a, not a great place. And, and so I met him. And he looked real bad shape. And I was like, man, you know, let me pray with you. Let me talk with you. And this Sunday, come to my church. And so I picked him up Sunday morning. He got in the car, and he was wearing the same clothes that I was talking to him early in the week. And he smelled like... How he smelled earlier in the week. And I said, let's go to church. And uh, the church I went to was a really nice church. Really proper. It wasn't until we started a church that I stopped wearing a suit. We used to wear a suit and a tie every Sunday. Every Sunday we'd dress up. we looked look nice. Man, we would, we would sing really nice songs. We had a big old choir and they sounded really nice. Man, everyone was really nice, and, and I always liked to sit down front, and I was excited. This is my, my second or third Sunday at this church, so I brought my visitor. I like bringing visitors to church. I like inviting people to church, so I was excited. I wanted to show the pastor, hey, you, you hired me to, to reach people and to tell people about Jesus. Look, I'm going to do it, so I brought my visitor down. He was real, real, real uncomfortable right away because everybody else looked so nice. They had their suits, their ties, and everybody smelled so good, and I was like, don't worry about it, man. Just come on. Let's go sit down front. I like to sit down front, encourage the pastor. When he's preaching good, I like to say amen. I like to shout him down. I like to nod my head. I like to take notes. I may not be writing anything. He may be preaching bad, but I just want him to know, hey, you worked hard. Come on, buddy. You could do it. Might get better if I encourage you. 
and I might do better if you encourage me. You know, if you ever get worried, like he's not doing a great job, lean in and say amen to something, all right? That might, might get better. Can't guarantee it. But I was just sitting there. Man, I was excited. The music started going, and we're singing. We're singing the hymns. How firm a foundation. Some of you don't know nothing about how firm a foundation, but that's what we used to sing. Ye saints of the Lord. And we would sing this, and we're all singing together. We got hymnals. Man, everybody looks so nice, really fancy, really nice church, beautiful church. And then an usher walked up, and I like this usher. He was the head usher, head deacon, head everything. I mean, he just kind of was the head of everything. And he kind of looked like, like John Wayne. I used to joke with him all the time. Man, you kind of look like John Wayne. And he liked that. He kind of looked like a John Wayne. Kind of had a John Wayne. He was a Marine too, ex-Marine. Kind of had a John Wayne bravado to him. And he walks in, and he told my visitor, he said, What's your name? My visitor gave him his name. He says, nice to have you. Take off your hat. And my visitor got real nervous. He said, no. You see, my visitor, he hadn't showered in a while. His hair was, it was bad. And I know he smelled bad. I know it wasn't real great. But he's at church. Isn't that where he needed to be? Isn't that where he should have been? And so he told the usher, no. So he went back and. A little bit later in the service, he came up as we're singing another song. He says, you need to take off the hat. My visitor said, no. So I tried to wave the, the usher. I didn't know him super good. I was like, just, just let, it, let it slide. It's like when you sneak your coffee in, you know. I, I feel bad. I'm like, oh, let it slide, you know. I mean, we might get kicked out of this school because you spill your coffee, you know. But uh, I just feel bad, you know. I, I, I have a hard time with rules sometimes. I feel, I, I don't want to break them, but I just feel bad being the, the, I'm grace, she's law, you know. And I'm working on being more law, okay. All right. I, and she's been more grace. She's great at grace. And, and I'm horrible at law, and I need to be better. And so I, I, I he felt uncomfortable. He said, I got to go, man. I said, I'll go with you out. We went outside, and I sat with them. And, and I was like, you know what? I want to let you know something. Jesus loves you. He accepts you. Even if another place tells you you got to take a hat off. So, so right there at a picnic table, he prayed, and he asked Jesus into his heart. And I said, man, that's, that's the greatest joy. And then we went over to Target. Yes, Adam, we went to Target, and I bought him some clothes, and yes, we got him some toiletries, and thank Jesus, he took that Axe spray, and right there in the department, he just started going to town. That was the first and only time I was okay with Axe spray, okay? Uh, Axe spray usually is a big no-no for me, but that time I was like, yes, sir, in the name of Jesus, take on more, baptize you, you know, yes, come up, clean. And man, he gave his life to Jesus, and, and, and I said, tonight you need to come back, because we had a Sunday evening service. I said, after the service, you gave your life to Jesus. I'm going to pick you up, and you should get baptized. So I dropped him off. I came back. Man, when I picked him up, he got a haircut. He had shaved. He had taken a shower. He was wearing some nice clothes. He smelled good. He got in my car. We drove to church, and everybody's like, hey, Micaiah, who's your visitor? And I said, it's the same guy from this morning. They were like, well, it's about time he got all cleaned and straightened up. And my heart sank. The whole time my heart sank, lower and lower, the way the church accepted him now that he was cleaned up on the outside. Didn't matter that he was a child of God. Didn't matter that God formed him. Didn't matter that Jesus had shed his same blood for him as the person in the three-piece suit and the nice car. It didn't matter that now, they said, now that he's cleaned up, we can love him. We can accept him because he looks and acts like us. You say, Pastor Mikhail, why did you start a church? I started a church that moment 
planted a seed in my heart that says, it shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be like this. So six years, God just planted a seed and he watered that seed and he said, you need to plant a church so when somebody shows up and they may smell bad, they may look bad, they may be down and out or they may be up and out. You never know the up and outs. There may be a person driving a Bentley right here, but guess what? They are just as jacked up and messed up as anybody that just came off the skid row. Don't, don't you just judge somebody on how nice or how bad it is. You see, we've got a reason, church. We've got a reason why we show up and why we set up and why we tear down and why we do events and why we do outreach and why the worship team works so hard and why Ridge Kids work so hard mentoring children and why we serve as ushers and why we serve as greeters. We've got a reason because there's lost people that don't know Jesus and we're going to run with discipline. We're going to have a routine and we're going to say, you know what, this is the year of God's favor where we're going to reach more people for Jesus because we've got a reason for this routine. There's a reason why we do this. There's a reason why I want to love the Lord. There's a reason why I want to build my marriage. There's a reason why I want to lead my children. There's a reason. We've got a reason, church. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying. There is a reason this morning. So it's why we don't give up. It'd be easy to give up when you lose a building, lose some money, lose some staff, get disappointed, get hurt, get kind of somebody saying something about you or somebody stabbing you in the back. That's when it's easy to quit. Anybody can quit. Can I tell you this? The runner who runs kept running. You say, Pastor, that's deep. No, it's not. You know it's not. But here's the thing. Every loser stopped. The marriages that make it are the ones who kept running. The people that got closer to God kept going. The Christians who just did more for God is because they just kept going. They weren't necessarily better. They just keep going. And this morning, the challenge is to keep going. Don't quit. Don't give up. You see, we've got to build the routine, but we've got a reason for it. And third and finally, and we're done here is we got to remain the runners who remained in the race. This morning, there's a secret to remaining. There's a secret to remaining. You see, it's amazing. So many times, we're looking for Jesus to tell us to go here and to go here. But you know, more often than not, you know what he told his disciples? Wait, stay here. His last message to the disciples was, wait till you receive power from on high. Don't go anywhere, remain. What I find more often that we struggle with is we're always looking for what's new and next, what's latest and greatest. We want to trade up models of cars, trade up models of wives and husbands, and and we want to trade up jobs, and we're always looking for something else, and we never see the fruit of what could be. Why? Because we're always missing out on it, because we don't remain. We don't see what could be. They say that children do far better in relationships where the parents just remain. Just remain. You say, I don't know, I don't know how to parent correctly. Just stay together. Your parents, your kids are doing better because you just stayed. Now that's not a slam on anybody. There's all kinds of things that happen that you can't control. But if you're a parent here, you feel like I'm doing a terrible job. But guess what? The fact that you just keep showing up is healthy for your kids. Same thing with your marriage. The fact that you just get up. And I'm trying this new thing. I'm trying this new thing. She's here, but maybe she's caught on to it already. I'm trying to see how many days can I, how many times in a, during a day can I say I love you to her? How many times? Just throw it into a text. Throw it into a comment. How many times can I do it? And I give myself, in my habit journal, a check. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because I need something that's fulfilling. And that little check does it for me. It's a little thing. And guess what? What does that do? I'm trying to build a relationship. It's not hard. So I created a game. 
I want to love her more, so how can I do that? Why don't I just say it more? And the more I say it, guess what happens to my feelings? I start to feel it more. And guess what? As I feel it more, guess what happens? She starts to pick up on those feelings. And what happens after that? None of your business. (laughs) But I just keep on going. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm growing this church. That's my goal. I don't know about you. You don't have to witness. I'll just keep working it. But you got to remain. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Jesus. There's power in your word. There's power in your name. There's power in those who will remain. This morning, there's a group of people who, we've got big goals. We've got big targets. We've got big things that you want us to accomplish. We've got God-sized dreams in our heart. The seed of destiny has been planted within each and every one of us. God, we can't do it alone. And some of us are looking at 2020 saying, with doubt in our heart, it'll be the same as 2019. But God, I believe it can be different if they'll look at routine over reward. If they will simply say, you know what, I'm going to remain. That I'm going to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. God, will we be a church that knows how to remain, that knows how to have a routine, that knows our reason why we keep going, that we never give up, that we know why we started this journey, that even though that there'll be some bumpy moments in life, we've got a reason to keep going. And God, even though the journey doesn't get easier, you make us stronger, God. Your grace is unfailing. It's unstopping. Your mercy is new every morning. God, you bear us up on wings like eagles. You renew our strength when we're discouraged. God, you restore our strength. You lead us beside still waters. You quiet our souls. You give us rest when we're afraid. God, you give us hope on the other side of our fear. God, you fill us with your goodness and your mercy. Your word says it follows us all the day long. And so, God, this year, as we set the target... Lord, would you fix our trajectory? We pray this in Jesus' name, and you receive it. Say amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting southridgesanjose.com slash connect. Again, that's southridgesanjose.com slash connect.